Hi, it's Booty, and you're listening to Seven Questions, where I ask world leaders and fascinating people seven questions. Today, I have the honor of having Justin Rizvani. Justin is a first-generation American entrepreneur, investor, Forbes 30 Under 30, and founder of The Amplify, a data-driven advertising technology platform that produces influencer advertising campaigns for premium brands across social platforms like Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, YouTube, and Periscope. The Amplify has produced major campaigns in every vertical for industry-leading clients, including Lionsgate, Cody, Unilever, Taco Bell, Campbell's, and Nissan. Resvani is a notable keynote speaker for global marketing events and has been featured in cover articles like the Wall Street Journal, Adweek, Forbes, and the Los Angeles Business Journal. Resvani received his Bachelor's of Science in Business Administration, marketing management, and advertising from California State Polytechnic University, Pomona, where he was named Student of the Year in both 2010 and 2011. I love how you have that in there. I just got to slip it in. Just slip it in there at the end. I love that. Well, Justin, this is our second time doing this. Yes. Uh, I appreciate Dude, I'm so happy to be here with you. No, thank you. This is, this is going to be fun. I know the first time we had some uh, missteps, but with technology, uh, have you. But uh, it was a great interview. It was way. such a great interview, man. It was such <laughs> we a great went, interview. We went deep, but I think we can bring it back just to make sure everyone can hear it. Yeah, no, I appreciate you um, wanting to do this again. Of course. Uh, yeah, so, absolutely. Seven questions. Uh, I think Eric Huberman um, was the one who put us in touch. Yeah. Uh, and so I think, Eric, you know, thank you for introducing Thanks, me buddy. to Justin. Appreciate um, it. And so, how this works is. We have a box, and now the box will be seen. Uh, a famous, box. <laughs> famous box, and you know how to play. You basically pick seven questions, and at the end, um, we will um, nominate someone else. Awesome. All right, so ready? Let's get started. I'm Let's excited. Let's do it. Question number one. A famous sound. It's crazy. <laughs> All right, close your eyes. I've been having people close their eyes now. Okay. Just dig deep. I got one. Question one. Let's do it. What's the best advice you've gotten and used? So this was a question I think that we went over kind of previously. And, you know, I actually have a big opinion on advice because mm-hmm. I think advice is a very bad thing. Yeah. Um, and the reason I think advice is bad is because that's implying that you actually know someone's full situation to give them input. What I prefer is perspective. Mm-hmm. And giving perspective means that you've already been in one place, you've had some thought, you've had some experience in that, and you're just sharing what you've already gone through. Mm-hmm. You're not telling them what to do and how they should approach it. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the best pieces of advice or perspective that I have is something that I'm talking about a lot right now, which is you really can over and overestimate what you do in one year and massively underestimate what you can do in 10 years. So mm. setting these larger 10-year goals for yourself of saying, I want to accomplish things that I can't even fathom mm. in 10 years, to me, ends up being a lot more achievable than trying to say, I want to change the world in one. Yeah. So that's one of the best pieces. You mean you of, can't uh, change the world in one year? No, you can't. It's just not possible. <laughs> yeah. It's just not possible. So that's, that, that's one of the things that to me has been really great input. Okay. Okay, I like that. No, thank you. I think um, uh, I understand. I, I like the 10-year idea, 
but I do think most people get caught up and it's like people who at the beginning of the year are like, I'm going to work out five days a week or six days yeah. and for the whole year and then come three months, come March, it's like falling no, off. Yeah, they yeah, set of these high expectations. So I like the 10 year, I don't know if that would work well with weight, but I think for some people who have these goals, it's like 10 years might seem too far. Um, but my whole point of that was that I think that you're onto something with allowing people to not put so much pressure on um, limiting uh, their dreams to just one year absolutely and recognizing that 10 years while it seems long it's it's really not which sounds crazy but it's like I mean the iPhone was was basically came out 10 years ago and if you think about that that's crazy that is crazy <laughs> actually I'm like I look how much we've changed in, in 10, 10 years, years right so I'm so scared. again again um, massively underestimated one and then uh, overestimated one and underestimated ten. All right, you got that down. Question one down. All right, let's do question two. Make it a good question. What's the lesson that's taken you the longest to learn? Um, wow. So, I have a huge difficulty with patience. Um, you know, I I attempt to like achieve things a lot faster or mentally try to achieve things a lot faster than actually is possible. And my patience is probably the one thing that I still haven't fully solved for. Mm. Um, and I haven't fully learned. And it's a lesson that continuously comes up in my life of saying, I want to get this done tomorrow, but I have no opportunity to actually get it done. And mm. I have to wait a little bit longer. So I would say patience is the lesson that's taken me the longest really to learn because I kind of don't have it. Um, and it's something that I'm continuously reflecting on because patience is, is, is one of those things that helps us actually get to the next thing we're thinking about. Yeah, I like that. I think, thank you for sharing that. Um, I think for me, I like patience because I have this thing, it's patience and perseverance. I call it the double P's. Yeah. If you can be patient and persevere, I think you can do a lot. Of course. Um, those are the two majors, right? That's I what mean, I, I think, mean, if yeah. You can, I think if you can that, get those two things down, you're pure Like, Because we do, especially in our society, talk about the invention of the iPhone, it's like instant. Everything yeah. is like, I know I can, well, I keep my receipt on, my uh, receipt on red, or my, what am I saying, my... Um, my uh, text on red so people know instantly if I've read it or not. Sure. So they have patience with, if I didn't reply, it means I didn't read it uh, in, a, in a sense. But um, I think you sharing that, people will uh, resonate with that um, learning process of, of taking, why it's taking you so long. I'm trying to get my words together here. Why it's taking you so long because I think many people do have a, a difficult time with patience, yeah. um, particularly in our culture. Yeah, and I think it's because we have this whole concept around instant gratification. And we have this whole concept that things need to get done now or they need to get done yesterday. And often we make the biggest mistakes in our life when we rush into things. Mm. Um, one of the things that I'm working on right now is I'm taking a full year off of working. Um, oh, wow. And I'm not going to be working until um, February consciously because from every entrepreneur that I've spoken with, the biggest mistakes they've ever made is the year after they leave their last company. Mm -hmm. And the reason is, is because they rush into a project, not really fully immersed in what they can do or what they can achieve. Mm -hmm. And they end up losing a ton of time or losing a ton of money. So mm -hmm. I'm spending the time to just relax, be calm, talk to great people like you and kind of create content with around things that I'm passionate about. Cool. I like that.
Well said. Thank you. Question number three. Let's move on. Do you want to read the questions? I think it'd be kind of cool. All right, I can read, read the questions, but you got to pick the question. Yeah, yeah, I'll pick it. All right, let's see what we got here. Oh, yes. We got into this one last time. I look at my face. Do you believe in luck? I'm like, you're, it's like this is destiny. You're like picking the I'm same picking questions. I'm picking the same questions. It's like 30 I questions. I absolutely do not believe in luck. Um, I, I think that it's a characterization and it's a word that we've brought into the world that implies that we are given things mm -hmm. just as a result of living our life and putting things into a certain perspective. Um, I think the concept of luck can also be translated into a different way in saying that if you create 10 times the amount of opportunity, you have 10 times the amount of times to convert. And mm -hmm. what that means to me is that you can create an environment where you are successful. Because if you work 10 times harder than the person sitting next to you, you're probably going to succeed. Often the people that actually are perceived as lucky mm -hmm. are actually just taking way more swings at the bat. Mm -hmm. They're taking way more swings at the, and they're taking way more shots to convert those shots. That's what I often think people perceive as luck is. But people are putting way more work, way more effort to convert that. You just have to be there for the opportunity. And if you're not putting in the work, you won't be there for the opportunity. Okay. And I think this is where we got into like a little spat because I wanted to put to push you. And then I asked you, because I remember it clearly, you know, do you believe that we are lucky to be born here in the U.S.? hundred percent. hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. So that, in, that, in that definition, that, you would say. But I would call that a little bit different than luck. Okay. Right. I think, I think, I think luck implies a couple different things. I'm not sure that how you were genetically born would apply that. Does that make sense? All right. Let's try to explain it again so I understand. We got a little yeah, we dog got, here, guys. Dog. Just wanting yeah. some attention. Panda wants some attention. Um, so your question is, if you're born in the U.S., are you lucky? Mm -hmm. um, and it's a hard question. Like, I, I would say no, but I also say yes in the same time. It's one of those <laughs> things that I can't. But I don't think that that's a, a practicality of luck, mm. right? Because there's also another element that um, there's people that are born in the U.S. that have terrible opportunities compared to other people born in the US. I think our perspective of what is success in the United States isn't a continuously approved perspective, mm. right? So, you know, for years we were these hunter-gatherers that were evolving in societies and nature eating proper foods and now we're put into a culture where we have, you know, big houses and we're eating shitty things and it's helping us die faster. <laughs> Just because that's the way America is does not mean that's the way human consciousness should continue. Mm. So I, I have this whole thing against like what is that concept of being American and being born in America that provides that luck. I mean, I think the opportunity is definitely there, but it's a, it's a tough question. All right. All right. I like how you answered that. I love it. I appreciate <laughs> you going with me there. Um, all right. I'll leave it there. Question four. I like this. Uh, you pick I read. This might be a new way you do this. Yeah, this might be. You might be onto something, man. Whoa. What do you want to be remembered for? Wow. Legacy, right? So the mm -hmm. question around legacy. What do you... You just had a birthday. You don't have to tell the public your age. But, 30. I'm uh, You know, that's a big... Ago. That's a... Speaking of 10, 10, 10, 10. Uh, you get to 30. Um, you know, what do you want to be remembered for? 
I think the, the concept of just being relentless in everything that I do in my life. Um, and I use that hashtag quite a bit when I post content, just be relentless. Mm -hmm. And I think the concept is that, you know, when I was 19, um, I almost died in a car accident uh, in LA. My car flipped on the freeway three times and somehow I got out um, without too many issues. Um, and I believe that we're so blessed and we don't actually know when we're gonna leave. So have I spent every moment on this planet working as hard as I can to achieve the largest goals that I can? Um, in terms of legacy and how that translates to legacy, I just wanna be able to improve people's lives in a way that it's kind of a little bit more impactful than maybe what I was received from my mentors. Um, talking on things like this, giving mm -hmm. perspective from what I've seen, and just creating value on the other side for somebody. Because I'm in this kind of mode that I don't believe the constructs that we've been given um, in regards to capitalism. Mm. And right when I was talking about what's the largest religion in the world, and it's capitalism, in fact, I don't believe those constructs are, are exactly the way the world is supposed to work necessarily, because mm. it didn't work for 50,000 years, and all of a sudden it works for the last thousand. <laughs> Why is that the case? So I think there's something around that topic that I want to explore and, and, and bring in terms of my legacy to the world. And the other thing is around food and how we treat food mm. and our relationship with food and what that all means for society, you know. Um, you know, I've spent, I didn't, last time I ate was like 11 o'clock yesterday in the morning. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I've been kind of, you know, but I don't, I haven't felt the need to eat. So, you know, why is that? Mm. You know, what control do we have over food? And maybe there's, an, there's another opportunity there to have that conversation. Yeah, last time we did this, I was at your place and you had uh, some muffins that were incredible. My keto muffins. <laughs> keto, yeah, muffins. My keto muffins. Look up those keto muffins. This I'm going to give you the recipe. Oh, I would love to. Yeah, oh, my God, you got to give me the recipe. I'm going to give you the recipe. I was thinking about that when I thought about coming here. I was like, oh, man, I hope he has muffins. Yeah, not, uh, not no today. Muffins today. No it's muffins right. today, sorry. Uh, that's okay. Um, no, thanks for sharing that. I think... Um, I think for myself, I want to re be remembered for always asking questions. Yep. Uh, I think at some point people stop asking and just... Um, Masa, close the door! Close the door! Sorry, sorry, she wasn't listening. Close the door. No, because these dogs run away and we're screwed. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you're fine. Um, uh, totally lost my thought, but that's, hap that's what happens when you're live. Yeah. Um, Sorry about that. Yeah, it's totally fine. Um, this part of being a podcast is that it's live. Yeah, it's and very it's, real. It's real. So we have dogs here, and someone just came in and left the door left open. Left the door open. And so, the dog could have ran out. And, and then it would have been, really been a bad. whole disaster. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. Um, but um, I lost my thought, and that's fine. But we will move on. Let's do that. Let's move on to question five. Sorry. Oh, hey, you made the rule, this rule. Yeah. Uh, what's your new rule? What's your motivation to succeed? What's my motivation? What's motivating you? I think the blessing just to be alive, to me, is one of the biggest motivations. Um, the fact is that, like, as I was sharing earlier, like, almost dying like 10 years ago mm -hmm. really just changed my perspective on how long do we actually have on this earth. Thanks for sharing that. Have you ever shared that publicly? Um, I don't know. It's just a question that I'm just I, curious. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, a lot of people don't know. Maybe I have. I don't really remember. Um, and I'll try to even find a photo of the car because it mm. gives like just like how fucking bad that was. Like mm -hmm. it was like. I mean, it's crazy that I got out, but I think that like 
that moment of of literally being in a car and like holding onto a necklace and saying I hope I can live like please don't die and literally saying that mm. chanting that for like please don't die on the freeway going 70 miles an hour kind of just gave me this entire motivation of saying like well it's not it's pretty easy to get out you know it's pretty easy to for this all to end so what can you do to change that perspective right what can you do to 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 change the world so that's really what motivates me is just the concept of being alive mm. Gary Vaynerchuk talks like he's like the chance of being a human is like one in four trillion mm-hmm. so if you get the chance to be up a bat it's at kind least of remarkable think, actually yeah, yeah if I people know. really think about that beginning life of like you made it <laughs> like you're, yeah, you're, you're like you're out of all swimmer those swimmer made it through, you're made it. swimmer made it through it's, it's remarkable actually if you yeah. really know science you're like wait yeah. what yeah it's yeah no that's I love that actually um yeah i don't have anything to say i'm like just processing yeah uh, but thanks for sharing that because i think there might be people out there that could resonate with going through a near-death experience and then at whatever age and then i'd like to say being woke yeah, um when all of, of a sudden you're like oh this isn't forever yeah and it, something snapped where you're like whoa like I mean, when, there's a lot of, I think they've done studies on people that have gone through NDEs and there is a chemical change in their brain. Like they like, if you look Google NDE studies, mm-hmm. you'll see that there are chemical changes made in these people's brains that like something happened so traumatic to them that new synapses were created as a result of them almost leaving this earth mm-hmm. in their perspective. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Some people that have been through comas for years and all mm-hmm. these other different things, but to me, the car accident was a was a real awakening in my life. Yeah, sure. and I got my shit together after that. Yeah, no, I'm glad you're here, man. Um, got to be here, dude. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. Uh, question six. This, I know he's like vibing out. Let's do it. Here it is. That was a new question for you. That was a new question. I think this one is too. Ah. Who would you like to meet that you haven't yet, and why? So this has changed. Um, I, re- you know, rest in peace, Anthony Bourdain. He was really on my list. Oh. He was on my list, mm-hmm. and now. Um, but who else is on your list? Yeah, yeah <laughs> you said list. But I, but I think the next one for me is probably this guy by the name of Ben Horowitz. Oh uh, my God! Yes, Ben Horowitz. Ben Horowitz. Mm-hmm. So he wrote this book, um, the hard things about hard things. And what was really important about that book for me was I read it as soon as I started my company. Mm. And um, the thing that it kind of helped me through was this like this battle that he went through for like 10 years and launching kind of his business and now what he's trying to do. So I'd love to just sit with him and just get his perspective on what is this next stage of my like, what is the playbook that you had um, could potentially reciprocate the thing that I'm dealing with and specifically talk to him right now Um, because right now what I'm going through is really interesting is like the title is post-exit entrepreneur Mm. um, and it's a very strange time um, and he's probably he's been one and he's seen dozens of them so he's somebody that I would really love to speak with and just you know I'm rereading his book right now as well so um, that's someone that would be on my list in the business world all right, Ben. You're watching and you're listening. <laughs> you put it out there into the universe. Putting it to the universe. Let's ben do Horowitz. it. Someone knows Ben. Someone I can tell you ben. that, and I'll circle. Um, I can tell you that right now. Um, no, I love that. I think for me, uh, I would like to meet and sit down and, and have tea with uh, the Obamas. Yes. Uh, I'd love to know 
just what the last eight years were really like behind those walls like do you think he tell you i don't know i think it had to be like totally closed because there's so i mean i don't know how much he'd say but um yeah i don't know yeah you never know you never I mean, know that's that's it's really cool i mean his book there's a book on I, the table. and i think that also like yeah, subconscious yeah just subconsciously like, like, yeah obama's book. someone's definitely yeah uh i would like to meet that's on my list of like just even if it were 10 minutes he's definitely on my list too man. yeah i'm like I mean, so, 10 minutes just I mean, any uh, president right i mean so any powerful. president yeah absolutely any president actually would have stories um that we just aren't privy to of course um because we are you know in a sense blocked but of course anyway we only know 10% of what's actually going on. Yeah, for maybe for good. I don't know. Yeah, that's a whole other. Yeah, maybe for We can better. get deeper yeah, in this topic, not, yeah, man, but like, it's a whole other thing. Yeah, that's yeah. a whole other thing. All right, last question. Are you ready? Yeah. Question seven. I love how Lucky calm you are. It's great. You're like so relaxed. Let's do it. Lucky seven. Oh, this is cool. What do you do to find peace when at times there is noise all around you? Meditation. Like meditation is the only work to What does that the mean? Because um, everyone, meditation is now a new buzzword in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, it's, <laughs> exactly. it's really just sitting down, closing my eyes, and just listening to my breath for 10 minutes. Mm. Um, and just basically trying to remove the thoughts, remove the friction, right? Remove... Um, the, the harmful nature of everything that's going on in our brains, right? Um, because, I mean, we went through this topic a little bit together, but, you know, constant suffering is simply related to thinking and overthinking too much. Mm -hmm. It's not a matter of, you know, are we actually dealing with suffering in the moment? Most of it is a future thought that we have that we're dealing through suffering, right? Yeah. It's one of the it's four like, noble yep, truths yeah. of the Buddha, right? It's one of those aspects, but, like, suffering is simply how much time we're spending thinking. And if we spend less time thinking and take our ego out of the equation, there's really not that much to suffer for in the moment right now. Like mm -hmm. I'm stressed out about something that I'm doing for work, for example, but often I'm not stressing at that exact moment. I'm stressing about what's gonna happen next week or the week after, or when am I gonna pay this or when am I mm -hmm. gonna do that? Mm -hmm. We're not actually you know, suffering in that specific moment unless we're tied to a chair and we have a drill or whatever, something crazy happening to us. So that's kind of what I think is, is, is how I try to separate the noise because it's all ego, right? It's all in the head ego and it's all kind of really what's destroying us. Mm. No, I, I have nothing to say to that. I'm like, I feel like I'm meditating now, just thinking about meditation. We should, we should sit down and meditate after this. Yeah, I would love to do that. I would love to do that. That's, yeah, especially where we are. It's, it's a like, beautiful place to do it. It's a beautiful place to do it. Uh, well, Justin, this has been fun. Uh, thank you for, you know, being willing to do this again. Of course, it was uh, my pleasure. To, to take your time um, and to share your wisdom and to share some stories that, you know, some people may have never heard. Yep. Uh, and for playing, you know, seven questions. Um, thank you, man. And so for those listening, you're listening to seven questions. It's Booty. Uh, if you like, please comment, please subscribe, and I will see you next time. Well, we're getting interrupted by uh, ice cream. <laughs> um, we'll continue. I guess the good thing is we're just still recording. We can edit. Uh, question number three. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. I got a little distracted there. Yeah.
said, this one. It was going to be a good one. Yeah. I think this is almost similar, which is interesting. Is uh, what makes you feel most alive today? The second one was grateful. So this is a little different. What makes you yeah. feel most alive today? I, you know, I practice. I have certain practices that I do for that experience. Mm. And, um, and I, you're probably going to say I, I'm skirting around this one too because I'm going <laughs> to, I probably won't answer in a very direct way. But, you know, there's things like, I do things like a lot of cold exposure. Like I'll get up in the morning and I work out and I'll get into an ice tub. Mm. And, you know, there's a, a natural response. We have a physiological response of panic when we get, when our body's in that cold and all these hormones flood through our bodies to get us to, into action to get out of that. So our body's sending the signals to get us out of this dangerous situation. And in that, you become very alert. Mm. So this thing like exercising, I also, um, I like to challenge my body. And so there's things I do that, you know, make me nervous or scare me. And in those times, I really feel present and, and alive. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's sort of those actions I take that I, I put into my life to have that experience. Okay. I've never heard that, but I like that. <laughs> no, I'm like, I think you're probably actually one of two that I've done that's really more active in your, um, uh, active in terms of physical, mm -hmm. uh, in terms of how, how you, at least so far, question three, I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, I like how you're responding to these. I'm like, <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, all right, that's three. Question four. Okay. Four. Ah, this one's <laughs> fun. Yeah. Uh, if you were an animal, which one would you want to be? Ooh, it's a tricky one. There's some kind of cat comes to mind right away, and I'm trying to figure out why that is. Like, I love, like, <laughs> leopards and, and cheetahs and panthers. And I don't know if it's just I love the animal. Um, but I'm trying to see if that's sort of an ego thing or what, where that comes from. Because, you know, I like... I think they're very elegant, you know, animals. Mm -hmm. um, and when you, you know, hear about them in the wild, you know, how they track people and they... Um, you know, they're very agile and very fast and very strong. And I think... I I guess that's what attracts me to them. So I think I would be a cat. What kind of cat? I, I, let's say, let's say, not a home cat. Okay, see, that's what I thought. I was like, <laughs> yeah. wait, where are we going with this? I'm going with a with a uh, let's go Black Panther. Black Panther. I just yeah. think they're, they're really cool. Mm -hmm. Sort of, they are they're very really elegant. Cool. Mm -hmm. They're beautiful. They they they're sharp. They're alert. No. It's funny when I I answered that same way too uh, when it was asked or when I was when it was uh -huh. asked to someone else once uh, I like I answered the Black Panther. Did you? I like the Black Panther. They're they're beautiful. Animals. Yeah, I like the Black Panther. Yeah. Um, I'm just smiling. I'm like, yep, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good choice. I approve. Uh, all right, question five. Okay. How you doing so far? I'm good. All I'm right. good. These are getting more fun as we go. Oh, let's not uh, hold your breath there. Let's see. <laughs> Question five. What do you do to find peace when at times there is noise all around you? Um, like today. <laughs> like it's noise. I, I feel like I'm answering these in a very uh, roundabout way. But again, um, 
I do a lot of mindfulness, a lot of meditation. Mm. And I think where, where I separate from a lot of people, like there's definitely a spiritual element, you know, but what I do um, when I'm mindful, it's about being present mm-hmm. no matter what the environment. Um, and I, and I, I'm very interested in a lot of the martial arts around mindfulness training, like Zen and um, uh, all the martial arts where they have to be have an ultra focus mm-hmm. in adversity, in chaos. And so I meditate every day as a practice to be mindful, not mm-hmm. as the moment, my 40 minutes of meditation. It's, it's, that it, to me is the practice. So throughout the day, I can be mindful, which means I'm not reactive to whatever is happening. Mm-hmm. So I can almost separate from my um, emotionality. You know, I believe we're made up of either biogenetic traits, mm-hmm. so genetic programming, or sociogenetic traits, things in the environment that affected me and made my personality. Mm. So those two things are operating me, and they'll dictate what I do unless I separate from it. So the mindfulness practice, the meditation I do, is for me to sort of separate from that. So my, I may have a, an experience of stress, Something may happen, a loud noise or something scary may come at me. And I try and look at that as my human Mm -hmm. (laughs) is having that experience. Mm. And I try and separate from it. Not that I'm an expert at it or or whatever, but it's it's definitely something I go after to try and practice being calm despite what my experience is. Mm. And I'm not sure if I'm explaining that well because... There is, um, there is the, um, there's the experience of being um, stressed or in, uh, I forgot what you, you called it, um, in those tumultuous times. Mm-hmm. There's that experience and then there's the observation of that experience. And I try and be more present with the observation of it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think if you can be present, for, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm using, if I can be present, then I can... I, if I can, for me, if I can be present in all of that, then I'm able to personally, um, how I would handle is I can, um, I'm like, what words am I looking for? I can, I can sit back. It's a little easier uh, for yeah. me. I don't know. For me, I'm like thinking of, yeah. I'm think I'm, I'm, I'm following. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, yeah. absolutely. It's like, you know, I was talking to someone today and we were talking about, um, I just wrote this article on, um, it was really about um, sort of the stress response. Mm. But what it turned into, I, I labeled it in the end, the dark side of language. Mm-hmm. Because all animals have that stress response, but we have language which, so we can have a conversation mm. about past or future. So any thought is past or future, it's not present. Mm. So then I'm reacting to that thought. Mm-hmm. So the less I can be... Um, have a conversation so the, the the less thought I can have the more present I am and the less stress response mm. so that's my practice is to not have thought not engage in thought and so that makes me present wow that's impressive <laughs> that would be impressive actually um, it's, to be it's able a to tough do practice. that yeah it's I'm like that's practice. a practice I yeah, have not I've definitely improved but by no means am I any any kind of expert in it yeah, for those out there listening, I'd love to hear your thoughts um, on that practice. If you try it, let me know. Uh, I think that's incredible. 
um, yeah, that's like, you just gave, gave me something new to try. Yeah. Uh, definitely. Yeah. I'm like, there's some hmm. really cool techniques actually, which one I do is just looking at some object. It can be a glass of water or a bottle or whatever. And I look at it for one minute without any thought. And that's how I started. And it's amazing how your, 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 your conscience tries to grab you and get your attention. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you start a conversation about that. And it's always, it's always going on. It's constant. And so if you can get a little reprieve from it by not thinking, it's, it's so powerful. Wow. Uh, and here's a glass on the table and I'm yeah. looking at it like, let's see. Know, afterwards, we'll as, I'm, as I'm present. <laughs> um, I'm like, man, thank you for sharing that, Paul. Of course, man. Uh, question six. Almost there. Oh, getting to the end. Let's see. Big yeah, deep. Okay, here we go. I'm filling this one. Ah. Question six. Why do you think we work? Why do we work, oh. Paul? I've been thinking about this a lot, actually. Mm, there you go. <laughs> um, and trying to understand whether, whether, whether it's necessary. Um, if you go back in civilization, part of what I do, I lecture, and I, I always like to look at um, why things started, or wh- what were the origin of it. You know, for example, three meals a day. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd regard that as normal. But there's a time it started, you know, and... It, it kind of goes back to the Industrial Revolution, that, when we started three meals a day. But if you go back to work, it's very interesting because there was a time when we didn't need to work, mm-hmm. if you go back far enough. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's, then we sort of added value to um, coins, metals, and then paper, and then we had to get that value. And then we created a civilization mm-hmm. where, where these actions went on, where I did something that you wanted and I could kind of get it for you. And, you know, I think the, 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 the introduction of agriculture was a big kind of shift into mm. their work because um, we, uh, we transitioned from, you know, uh, vegetation growing and we would go get it to us having to look after it. Now, we're sort of imprisoned by the agriculture so we have to live around it and protect it and make sure it's go and bring it water and that so we had to stay put because of the agriculture mm-hmm. and so that was a job but then i mm-hmm. had something i grew something that you wanted mm-hmm. and then we went to trade so now we've gone through you know our um, story as a species was survive the night for a long time and i think we're only in a period now where that's there's the ability for that to change mm-hmm. and you know even into you know if you think about survive the night back when we were, you know, uh, roaming in cavemen, you know, um, that was true. I had to survive the night. In the darkness, it was very dangerous and I had to survive the night. Then we started working in jobs Mm. and I had to survive the night because I had to buy all these things and houses and food and and education for my children and all this thing. So then I was surviving the night in that regard. Mm -hmm. But I think we're at a very interesting place right now. And and I, I think it goes into a shift of energy where power comes from and into renewables which is a whole other conversation but I think it's that that shifts what we're we're having to gain I think the need to work shifts Um, and also is our understanding of what we need so for me to survive Mm -hmm. I don't need that much Mm -hmm. you know I could have a little patch of land and grow some vegetables and I would live Mm -hmm. you know um, and, and, and jumping back again you know, our days probably before 
our current civilization, we go back a couple, a few thousand years, and you know, we'd get up in the day, and I'd be with my tribe, and we'd go out and forage, and maybe hunt, and get some food, and then we'd come back prepared, and eat it, and tell stories, and hang out, and that was my day. And mm -hmm. understanding that that's still possible, you know, I always had this idea that I want to go to an impoverished, impoverished town, and everyone who's you know suffering without the work and look at what they really need and if we could create a community where there's enough food and shelter there's not much else they need and they could maybe then go from um, stressing to get work to it would be a leisure life it'd be like you're on vacation I could wake mm. up in the morning and I could do some exercising and some yoga and tend to my garden and then go back and I wouldn't need to work but I think there's a whole other element and I think that's where the ego comes in Mm. I realized several years ago, you know, if you, if you really look at the, the sociogenetic trait that I mentioned before, and that's what drives me, that's my personality, my identity. I have to prove something or disprove something. Mm. So I realized that if I looked at myself, what was I trying to do? And you can look at, you know, the car you drive, the job you have, the friends you have, the, the way you dress. It's all trying to prove or disprove something. Mm. And I was trying to prove that I had importance. Mm. And I think it probably came from me being the youngest and, you know, my brother's eight years older than me. And so I developed slower than them. And I was always behind in development. Mm. I mean, and so I couldn't do the things they did. And so I had to prove myself. And so that I ended up, you know, working, starting my own company where I was a CEO I drove a, a nice car and I dressed a certain way and I had to travel a certain class mm -hmm. and I was trying to prove to the world I was important. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if someone, if I felt that someone didn't value me, then I got upset. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's, that, that survival of the ego, the creation of my ego is wrapped up in work. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why it's sort of kept alive. So I think to kind of come back to, to, the, to the original question was, I don't think we need to for survival, but I think we need to for survival of our ego. Mm, I've never heard that before. Wow, <laughs> that's deep. That's deep. I love that. I'm like, wow. Oh, man. Um, I'm like, yeah, I don't... I think that speaks for itself, guys. Uh, like, that could have been number seven right there. I would have just dropped the mic. Uh, that left people pondering, because I'm still pondering. Uh, but we've got one more question. Okay. So okay. even in those thoughts, man, that was great, Paul. Uh, question seven do it okay here we go ah what's been the most difficult choice you've had to make to fulfill your destiny what's been the most difficult choice you've had to make to fulfill your destiny I'm struggling with the destiny part. So, yep. um, you're calling. Yeah, because I don't know. Like, I feel I have one, mm -hmm. but I don't know if I've made it up or not. So, I'll, I'll, I'll get to the question, but I'm just, that's where I'm, I'm a little stuck on fulfilling my destiny. There's this, in terms of work, there's been some very different, and that's kind of what my mind went to, but I don't know if that's the right place to focus on. Um, I think, okay, I, 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 maybe I'll answer in two ways. 
I think in fulfilling my destiny, what, what I want to do, I want to, um, I've always said, I want to participate in being the tipping point mm. to shift our civilization, our collective consciousness as a civilization, as a species, to a more unified and out of the suffering. Because I believe there's a whole way, different way to operate, um, which I sort of touched on in my other answers. But I would class that as my destiny, is to participate in that and to create that shift. And I think the hardest thing I had to do, and this is going to sound very strange, I think, but to separate from my ego, because there's my identity, Paul, and there's what he wants. And if I follow that, I'll get those results. I'll get what the life, the only option that Paul has is the life that he could get. Because certain things, like, like for example, he has to show he's important and he, he reacts to certain things and he has certain fears. And because of that, that's a filter that he's, he's interacting with the world through. Mm. And so, you know, you may say things to me and that filter will interpret it based on Paul's biogenetic and sociogenetic traits. And so I'll react to that, I'll respond to it that way and I'll act on it that way. And so that'll, that'll just produce one set of out, uh, uh, one outcome. Now, if I um, sort of, if I can um, separate from that, then I'll have a whole other set of outcomes. So I think the hardest thing for me was to create a separation from that. Mm. And what I did, I had to for a year, I, it sounds really odd saying it out loud, but I referred to myself in the third person. Mm. Paul's hungry, Paul, you know, Paul's upset, mm -hmm. whatever it is, and it, it, it created a detachment. And that is where I was able to get the observer. But the other thing I had to do was I couldn't gratify Paul. Meaning, you know, I think there's a lot of things we do as, as humans that um, cause a positive response, like eating certain foods. You know, we're genetically coded to have a certain reaction to certain foods. You know, um, glu high glucose foods and sugars and stuff. They were rare for us and we're, we're definitely one of the weakest animals on the, on the plains and so we have a response to try and eat as much of this, you know, if we came across a fig tree, to eat as much of the figs as possible before the baboon showed up, mm. you know. So we're programmed for that. And so we use those things to gratify ourselves. Um, TV's another one, or sex, things like that that give um, a lot of pleasure mm -hmm. to ourselves. Now, what's happening, I believe, is that, there's, that we're trying to mask some, something else, some other stress we're having, some other feeling we're having. So if I've had a bad day, I want to come home and watch TV or eat something, you know, a pizza or something that really makes me happy, mm. you know. And all that's doing is masking something. So what I had to do is to not gratify myself for a year. Mm. So I, I, I believe you can have whatever you want, you know, and you read that, you know, in the beginning, you know, I've, I've, my, one of my philosophies is to still have all the things you yeah. love and do it. But there's, there's, there's a, a very slight shift. One is controlling you and the other is you're in control of it. So if I get home and I'm like, I gotta have, you know, this chocolate, that's controlling me. I can still have the chocolate, but I got to choose it without that response. I'm not choosing it because it's masking something else. So I think that was really the hardest part. And I'm still going through the process. I haven't got there at all. But I think it's that, that um, giving up the gratification of the ego, what Paul wants and not acting. And I have to catch myself all the time. And I'm always watching myself because what Paul wants isn't always the best choice. Wow, I think you're on another level, Paul. <laughs> this is incredible. <laughs>
that is beyond i'm like that is phenomenal actually because i don't think many people even begin to think that way yeah it's i don't know if i recommend it but uh, i think the end result would be good mm. no i'm like blown away man uh as is common as our listeners know at the end of seven questions we always ask for some for you to nominate someone so okay who comes to mind wow um is there any particular person or is just someone anyone that... anyone you want to call out to to play seven questions just a, just a... preferably in la <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> like, we could do it over the phone yeah um there's a, there's a, there's someone I, I don't know why she popped in my head, but she's a an amazing person and photographer. Okay. Um, her name is um, Kat. Kat. Yeah. Um, I'll get the details of the yeah. last name later, but uh, Kat, I'll be reaching out uh, <laughs> for you to play seven questions. Paul, it's been fun. Uh, we've had a few crazy distractions, but thanks for being calm and, and so <laughs> smiley and receptive exactly. and just <laughs> that super was fun. chill man no I loved it I really uh, appreciate super the time chill. Um, I appreciate that you can you're, yeah. you can handle yourself under pressure uh, you're just so chill I'm like it's all like, the phone calls this that dogs uh, and you're like yep da 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 water I love it um, well you're listening to 7 cool. questions it's booty uh, if you like please subscribe and comment below thank you so much and I will be with you guys soon.